Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Monday, October 19th, 2020. And Aaron, just today, I was thinking back on the time when, I, I want to say, was it two years ago when we visited you in your home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember you showing off, uh, or said not showing off, just displaying your amazing collection of, of Marvel stuff. And in, in, in fact, I was particularly impressed with your Captain America shield, the heavy metal, beautiful, detailed. Was that a movie replica yeah. or where, where did you get that? That was the 75th anniversary edition that had come out, I want to say, about five, four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. And they had a plastic version for 100. They had a metal version for 300. Mm -hmm. And it was an anniversary gift for the wife because she's the Captain America fan oh, in the house. Okay. So technically, that's hers. And I'll tell you, that girl skipped out of the mall just happy as can be carrying that thing. And on the way out, we had been approached by at least half a dozen people about where did you get that? How much was it? Can I have it? <laughs> it was, it was a, a real attraction piece. And my very good friend McConnell that was on the show mm -hmm. with us for the black Panther episode, he visited mm -hmm. uh, not very long ago. And when he saw that, he goes, that goes in the will to me. You understand. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, now it's interesting. You mentioned plastic edition, metal edition. Cause today, I came across Hasbro is now selling a Marvel's Legends Avengers Captain America shield. Only this one is deliberately tied to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In fact, that's the exact name. Marvel Legends Avengers Falcon and the Winter Soldier Captain America shield prop replica. It's 24 inches across with adjustable straps, but given the price point is $114.99, I'm guessing plastic, right? Yeah, most definitely. I would imagine that there's, I think there was a, some very minor details that they had changed mm -hmm. to the design of the shield where it's like they almost gave it a couple aerodynamic grooves near the points of the star mm -hmm. or something like in the ridges. And you can, you notice that there's like a subtle change in the trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. But yeah, most certainly at that price point, I'd be very willing to bet that's a, a plastic one. But it still looks good. I don't know. It, hanging on the wall, absolutely shouldn't have any problems with that being a beautiful centerpiece in the home. This collectible says, inspired by the shield that appears in Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Which, remember, if production of that limited series hadn't shut down in Prague back on March 10th, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, would actually be airing on Disney Plus right now. In fact, that six-episode run was supposed to have started on Friday, October 9th, with season two of The Mandalorian then starting in late November on, on the 20th or thereabouts. And earlier this month, on October 7th, McDonald's began offering Happy Meal toys that also keyed off of uh, Marvel Studios theatrical releases and limited series that were supposed to be happening in this particular window of time. Nothing was titled Death of Qui-Gon Jinn, was it? <laughs> no, no. I just want to make sure no. that nothing was really leaked during that. Okay, cool. No, 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 no. no. I mean, for example, uh, the nine toys, of the nine toys that are offered, there's a Black Widow toy. If everything had gone according to plan, Black Widow would have, would have completed its theatrical run at this point and would now be available for purchase on Blu-ray or DVD. So that toy would have helped raise awareness of that Walt Disney Studios home entertainment release. 
Likewise, there's a Winter Soldier and Falcon toy, which was supposed to promote that limited series. And there's even a Vision and Scarlet Witch toy. That was supposed to begin its six-episode limited run on Disney Plus in late December this year. And you know, again, if things a little bit early January of 2021. For some reason, the idea of WandaVision toys <laughs> as a Happy Meal thing <laughs> is confounding to my brain because the idea of WandaVision is Wanda is mentally broken from the loss of her love and creates an alternate reality. And it's like, yes, that's a beautiful toy for a child, uh, mentally damaged, creating an alternate world to live in because they can't cope with reality is the message I'd like to send to my children growing up. Okay, so do you remember when... <laughs> Batman Returns came out in 83, 84. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also did Happy Meals for for that. Yeah. The parents really came down hard on McDonald's for as dark as those were. Though I, I have to ask a, a question now. You know, again, mm. you, you've been collecting for years. And if, if you were sure. advising somebody, a Happy mm. Meal toy right now, on average, runs $2.49 to $3.29. So roughly for about a third of what you'd pay for this plastic Captain America shield, you could get all nine of these Marvel-themed Happy Meal toys. So 10 years from now, what, what do you honestly think would be worth more? The Captain America shield or a complete set of these Marvel Happy Meal toys? It depends on the sucker with the open wallet that wants to buy it. Because you could get about anything from the right person. There was a conversation recently about the the state of comic books. There are some people in the comic book industry, or, or he used to be a very large part of it, mm-hmm. that think you should just shut down comic books right now because they're, they're broken and flawed. Because really, we're only catering to the man-child. Mm. These are not really for kids as much anymore. And... It's usually adult nerds like me mm-hmm. who spend outrageous amounts of money on collectibles. Kids don't have that expendable income. They're not buying the amazing fantasy number 15 for $300,000 or whatever the going rate is for that mm-hmm. today. These are adults and collectors. And the idea from this individual was it's broken because it's all adults and it's all collectors and it's all the crybaby type people that is not cool and we should just trash it all and start over and really look at the kids Mm -hmm. and find out how do we communicate to new people that haven't been on this train for the last 30 years because we're always catering to the the collector (laughs) and we shouldn't be and that and so when you ask the question of what's the value of that it brings up that argument of it's not about the dollar it's about the joy Mm -hmm. does the kid care about the dollar value in the future? No, only I do. And that's that's where the, the system is broken. So I, I would have to pose to answer your question in a way that moves society forward. It's about what brings you joy. And as soon as it doesn't bring you joy, throw it away. Give, donate it to Goodwill. Give it to someone that it brings joy to. And I let's not even concern about the dollar value in 10 years if it's in its package or not. Uh, and, you know, Kevin Smith, mm. when he buys a new comic, you know, the first thing he does? Tears the cover ruins the value immediately so he can enjoy the comic for what it is, not for what the price could be in the future. And I love that mentality. Hmm. He doesn't need money. Mm. I did not He know needs that. joy. Yeah. I did not know that about Kevin. Okay. He doesn't want to be a collector anymore. He wants to be, you know, he just wants to enjoy the story. That's what we, we all got here originally for mm-hmm. was the story. It's like, yeah, let's 
break out of the collecting mindset. Let's just be fans again and, and go, boy, wasn't that neat. <laughs> the terrible part of this is I now have to move to a mercenary moment here. I got to mention that the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner, Marvelous Disney. If for a worry-free travel experience, please book online at Storybook Destinations. Okay, now that I, I finished totally derailing the noble statement that you made. No, but the idea was that you want to have fun, you book a trip to Disney. You'll have fun, right? Okay. Isn't that the whole Take, goal? There we yeah. go. Thank you for redeeming yeah. that moment. Okay. It's, uh, it's noble. Uh, picking up where we left off on last week's show, you, you and I were talking about how Hellstrom uh, took his boat by surprise, kind of snuck out of nowhere. I had a busy week, wasn't able to check it out myself, but you, on the other hand, you did the deep dive on this new Hulu series, right? I did. Ten episodes, and I want to try and do it as spoiler-free as possible and as brief as possible. We don't need to get on to all the, the whatnot about it. It's uh, it, it's like a spooky X-Files, mm -hmm. Jim. I wouldn't call it horror. Mm -hmm. But if you were able to watch, you remember when X-Files wasn't about Aliens, they did like a Monster of the Week episode every once in a while. Maybe it was a werewolf. That's what this feels like. If Mulder and Scully were brother and sister, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they had the powers of demons. Now, last week I was saying that because the Hellstrom siblings are the sons of Satan, and normally in places like the Bible Belt where you have a lot of religious folk, they're not going to watch that type of material, and it's understandable. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, is this going to even take off? And their way around it is they just said, well, their father was a serial killer. And that explains really nothing, Jim, because I was then wondering, well, how'd they get the powers of demons? I mean, if, if the Dahmer guy ended up having kids, it doesn't automatically pass along this the power to harness fire and levitation and stuff like that no you should just be a regular person so and then you get to the last episode and and there is a hint mm -hmm. that uh maybe maybe it was satan the whole time but they leave it at a cliffhanger because someone was under the delusion that they would get to do a season two <laughs> and not have their legs kicked out from underneath them unceremoniously it's not good enough to where people are going to be sending in, you know, baby diapers to revive the show mm -hmm. or whatever fans do to revive shows. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not it's not going to be that good. And as far as their first adventure into Marvel of Fear is probably their last as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Just the other day, I was thinking back on. Uh, did you ever see any of the the Kolchak movies the the night stalker the next triangle oh yeah 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 back in the old day that was one of the reasons why hellstrom was kind of on my radar for the guy used to get a kick out of that show which only they did the two movies and then they did a, a season of the show and and it was darren mcgavin himself who pulled the plug because he didn't like that it had devolved kind of into a monster of the week show that it was taking what mm. made the, the original film special and kind of cheapened them yeah, as, as far as the overall story, the story was strong in, in its direction. It didn't deviate and meander and lollygag. It got to its point. And then the thing is, I, I really had to wonder about this, Jim, because they had blood. Mm -hmm. They had graphic language. Mm -hmm. I don't quite think they went so far as to have any sort of nudity or mm -hmm. anything quite like that. And they did have some things that some people would consider gore a little bit later mm -hmm. in the show, like around episode seven, eight, nine, and 10. That's when it started to get ratcheted up a bit. But the whole time I was, I never felt fear. I never felt suspense. I never felt edge of my seat. And I was wondering what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I know I've seen a lot of horror movies, especially growing up. I craved horror movies, and I and I was wondering, you know, if I was watching this with someone who has not watched a plethora of horror movies over the last, you know, three or four decades, would this unsettle them? Would this creep them out in any way? And I just didn't feel. I mean, I've seen a ghost movie where I get spooked. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's behind there? Don't don't go in that room. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I can fall for that. But uh, this just never really grabbed me in any sort of horrific, fearful way, which is why I end up cre- equating it directly to X-Files, because X-Files never once scared me. Hmm. Doesn't mean it was a bad show. No, no. Just was never spooky. Yeah. Well, it's spooky Mulder. Hey, Kenner, that, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for taking one for the team there and, and watching that, and I will maybe at some point circle back to that. To pivot back to our last show, Aaron and I talked at length about Jamie Foxx being cast in a new Spider-Man movie and the significance of that. And I think you and I went back and forth about 70% of people right now are are afraid to go back to movie theaters because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so the studios are supposedly thinking, well, the way we'll get them back are these big film, you know, to do a big film with a lot of, you know, name performers. And I suggested that maybe that's what they were doing with Jamie Foxx, and you were not a big fan of that idea? No, I was only not a fan if he was Blue Electro. Ah. If he was Blue Electro, that meant he was Amazing Spider-Man 2 Electro, mm. and that was where I became all monkey poo and hand fling at screen. Eat, 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 out the theater. You know, I I had almost gotten that image out of my head. Thank you for... <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So if if he's going to be playing a different version of Electro, I know what the theory is that you're about to pitch uh, and I'll upfront it with, I don't believe it, but go right ahead, sir. And I'll I'll defend on the backside of my belief. See, here's the thing. Four days after you and I record that show, we get the the news that Benedict Cumberbatch is joining the cast of Spider-Man 3 as Doctor Strange. And... Uh, initially, the thinking was, oh, okay, so Spider-Man Homecoming, we had Robert Downey Jr., you know, Tony Stark, Iron Man, plays the mentor. Then in Spider-Man Far From Home, we had Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury, also in the mentor role. So it's like, okay, so this must be what's going on. Doctor Strange is now going to be the mentor of this movie. Oh, I'm going to want to interject a moment right there. Okay. Strange and Spidey have teamed up dozens of times, mm-hmm. so I would have, when I saw that he was going to be, you know, I, I just assumed we finally get a moment where they team up and get to hang out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to be mentor. Okay. Just a, a moment of team up, but go ahead. Well, also, didn't you mention that, what was it, with the, the Spider-Man PlayStation game that you come across the... You can find the... Sanctorum. Sanctorum. Yeah. And and Spidey actually comments on it because he can't get into it. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many team-ups, though. I mean, there's Wolverine and Spidey have gone toe-to-toe so many different times with hilarious smart mouth results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just so many wonderful team-ups because they happen in New York City Mm -hmm. because that's where a lot of these characters uh, call home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things where, from my perspective... I do believe that Spider-Man has almost been held back by having too many other Marvel characters in his movie. He's a strong enough character where he could just go without having Iron Man and Sam Jackson and, you know, playing Nick Fury. He could just be a Spider-Man doing a spider thing, Mm -hmm. and that would be fine. And I know that 
obviously Marvel wants to tie it all together and make a big cohesive universe. That's great too. Mm -hmm. It's like you can have a, a scoop of ice cream and boy, that's delicious. But here, here's 12 more scoops. Here's some Sunday sauce. Here's caramel. Here's whipped cream. Here's some cherries. Here's some nuts. Let me just ratchet your jaw open and start cramming marshmallows down your throat. At a point you're going to say too much sugar is not good for me. I need you to stop, please back off with the spoon. <laughs> well, okay. Having set up that analogy, let me explain how Kevin Feige is is running the Marvel ice cream store. Thirty one flavors, all in the same movie. Yeah. Well, you know, face it. I, you know, in fact, I think on the last show you flat out asked. So, what's the plan now? I mean, you know, everything's been delayed, derailed. What can possibly be the plan now? Especially with, you know, Kevin having previously made such a big deal about how the Disney Plus limited series will set up story arcs that will then play out in the theatrical films and that sort of thing. Called a friend at, at Marvel and asked him to, you know, all right, so what's going on here? Doctor Strange got shifted to November of next year. And then, like every film that was planned for 2020 and 2021, it got pushed back yet again to now March of 2022. And Spidey 3 basically shifted into the spot that was opened by Doctor Strange being pushed back. The original plan was that WandaVision would begin airing in December of 2020, and it would complete its run in January. And then March of 2021 was when Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uh, was supposed to happen. And so the, the idea was that Scarlet Witch is still grieving for Vision, alters reality to try to, to work through her grief. This in turn opens the multiverse, and now Doctor Strange has to try to fix what, what Wanda has done. Evidently, the new thinking now is WandaVision is shot, and it does, in fact, blow open the doors to the multiverse. Doctor Strange is not going to arrive uh, in theaters now till March of 2022, but we do have Spidey, which is opening in December. This idea began to sort of come up, you know, as they working in the film, that this John Watts movie to the effect of, if you remember how the, the last film ended, you know, we saw J. Jonah Jameson release to the, the world the news that, that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. That's the storyline that, that starts Spidey 3. This is a Peter Parker who wants his world reset. So supposedly it's in that space where he's trying to get back to the world that he previously had, where he had he had a secret identity. Somehow Wanda sets these events in, in motion where we get the impact of the multiverse on modern-day Manhattan. Well, so far, the, the concept mm. is... Uh, and the reason we have numbers is to keep track of silly facts like mm. So we're in the 616, right? Right. And... If, hypothetically, mm -hmm. if Wanda has her breakdown that creates a multiverse mm -hmm. and our Peter wants to reset his life so he is back to having his secret identity back, he's not the 616 Peter, he's a different one. Well, but as the story was explained to me, it's because he, you know, wants to try to find you know, this place where he's a secret identity again, 
that opens the door to bring other Spideys in. And I again, I know <laughs> your feelings on this. Right. Might as well throw Venom in there while we're at it. Make it real good. Well, you know, and it, it, we'll get to that in a moment. But there's been a very <laughs> persistent rumor that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire have been asked to appear in Spider-Man 3. In fact, Sony got so many queries about this. They issued a statement just last week, and the wording is fascinating. It's not a flat-out no. It reads, those casting rumors are not confirmed. Very easy to say no. No, that's not what happened. But a piece of video popped up online and was pulled down within 12 hours that showed a very talented young African-American actor performing an audition scene for a live-action Miles Morales. Now, was this a video of him recording himself in his bedroom on an iPhone, or was this actually in a casting situation where he had a director or someone associated with Disney or Marvel or Sony in the room? That's why it got pulled down. It was the latter. Okay. Now, so all we've heard so far in the official wording is appear mm-hmm. in Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. which really means if you remember how Brad Pitt appeared in Deadpool 2, mm-hmm. he was in there for like I think 7 frames of film. So maybe it's a thing where they show up, say hello, wave at the camera and then get whisked off screen. I really 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 doubt that they're going to have a story arc where there's four Spider-Men through the entire film, a Miles uh, Morales version, because you've you've got three Peter Parkers and a Miles. Mm-hmm. Why why that number of why not do it where you have different Spider-Men, or why are they not all Peter? That doesn't make sense. The other thing is, like I said with with Andrew Garfield, that's like inviting back George Clooney with the bat nipples and going another round with that. I don't see that being cool. And the creatively. It would be Disney completely ripping off what they've already done, what Sony had already done with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There is no need to ape that much of that content into Spider-Man 3. It would make it seem like a very pale comparison of what something we've already had, that it should be new and exciting and bold and different, and the idea that... The way that the media currently sounds is like, nope, it's going to be 90 minutes of Toby and Andrew and Tom all side by side for the full 90 minutes. It's like, nah, I think they might be together for a minute tops. Okay. Because Tom Holland's our star. Well, all I can can tell you at this point is that Spider-Man 3 began shooting today in Queens. And again, they're doing a lot of location work before they then go to Atlanta and shoot at the Pinewood Studios where Marvel has its giant complex. So with the hope of getting to see multiple, you know, Spider-Man together on this set, you know, the paparazzi is just hounding the set already. And, and it's it's going to be challenging. This this this. Has anyone seen Tobey Maguire in the last 10 years? Who knows? He might have been eating pound cake for the last 10 years. He might not be in uh, Peter Parker shape. Supposedly, Kevin Feige is now looking to use Spider-Man 3 as sort of the hammock, as it will, between WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness, that we get to see the impact of what Wanda did in Peter's universe, we have Doctor Strange step in 
and again, I, th I think you're right. I think that it's unlikely we're going to see a mentor situation. You know, we're, we're possibly going to see these two working together to try to deal with what's happening in modern day Manhattan. And then, right. but the idea is that in much the same way that Captain America Civil War then set up a lot of what happened, uh, you know, a lot of the relationships and that sort of thing that we then saw pay off in Infinity Wars and Endgame. You know, that's the, kind of the belief now that what happens in Spider-Man 3 will then set up what Doctor Strange faces in Multiverse of Madness. And uh, by the way, that's also gearing up. In fact, uh, we just saw the casting of Sochi Gomez. Uh, she's thought to be playing America Chavez, a.k.a. Uh, Miss America, yeah. who is a superhero who hails from another universe rather than the, the main MCU. So I get what you're saying, Aaron, I really do. But there's an awful lot of evidence piling up that this, and again, I, I apologize because I know you hate the idea of this sort of movie, just piling up stars in a project with the notion of, well, this will convince all of those people who are frightened to go to theaters right now because of COVID to come out and watch Game Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Well, I think part of that is, and what... Regal was asking mm. for essentially was Hollywood needs to put out blockbusters mm. and it has to be consistent. There has to be like a movie just played. I missed it and I, I kind of feel bad about it, but not quite. Oh, another one just played. Well, I really did want to see that one. Oh, a third one just played. Mm. What the hell? Yeah. That's when I'm going to start going, geez, I really kind of really want to go to the theater because I've missed a lot of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm feeling left out now. Yeah. That's that's the thing that's going to motivate me as a uh, consumer American type person is you know I, i've got to go on a motion of of what drives a person mm -hmm. it's uh being left out of the crowd other people are talking about the thing mm -hmm. it was like mandalorian you know how bad it sucked for people over in england that did not have disney plus and us americans are just posting spoilers every friday about yeah. what we saw on mandalorian and we just basically fed them the whole plot that you know the whole time and they're like we just want to see it for ourselves we feel so left out i would pay anything to see it right now mm -hmm. so i can get stop getting secondhand information from it and just see it for myself it's going to come from hollywood has to release those blockbusters regularly for me to feel like I'm missing out on events before I'm going to be convinced to step foot in a theater because right now there's nothing you can release that would make me like Dune. Dune right now is number one on my hit list. Mm -hmm. And if that were in a theater right now, I would be really tempted. Mm -hmm. I would ask, is there anyone else in the theater at eight o'clock in the morning? If not, I'll buy that one ticket. Okay. And you have gotten me in the theater because I want to see that movie really, really bad. So you got it. Now you got to pile up a stack of dominoes and knock all them suckers down and make me feel like I missed out on the entire world of entertainment for a year. Okay. But, but here's the thing that again, you mentioned Regal and they were talking about how maybe they'll be reopening in early 2021. Did you see the story in the past week or so? How about the AMC theater chain running out of money, running out of money? Yeah. You know, by the, by end, the end of the year. year, I was talking to a friend, mm -hmm. It's an advertising thing, and I don't want to get into the technicals of advertising. Yep. But again, the thing that I was getting back to was it's it's not really that the theater system is broken right now. Mm -hmm. It is their consumer. The, the general public is afraid, mm -hmm. and you need to find a way to convince them that it's safe. Mm -hmm. And one theater was doing a thing where 
you would text your snack order and they would put it up in a sealed box and leave it at the counter and there is no human interaction there. So there's a safety thing. But the other thing is the idea of, you know what, since there's really not many movies, instead of wasting your time playing Ghostbusters mm -hmm. and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which are great movies, but I've seen them a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Let's say that Dune came out today. What if you put Dune in all 15 theaters and you actually booked it out to a family, like one family per theater? Hmm. Because no one's coming. You've got empty, 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 empty theaters. So you're taking a loss no matter what. What if I can get you 15 families versus zero? Can I do that? And if I can, I can get 15 families to go out in the world and say, I went to see the movie and I survived. Mm -hmm. And if I can get word of mouth going and other people going, oh, you saw that movie? Really? It was safe? What? Oh, you rented the whole theater by yourself? Wow. And then you start designating where it's like one family gets this corner, that family gets that corner, this family gets... You got four corners of the theater, and you got one group in the middle. That's five families I can now fit in the theater. You got to work numbers, and you got to work psychology. But that's what I'm going to say about that. It's, it's a trick on behalf of the theater, of what they got to do to earn the trust back. And it's the studio system has to provide the bait, and it's gotta, it, can, it can't just be a movie with stars. It's got to be worth watching. That's a fascinating idea, but let me throw a complication at you that uh, bio-reconstruct, the gentleman who flies mm. over and gets those amazing behind-the-scenes shots. Just this morning, uh, he and I were, were tossing instant messages back and forth, and he brought up the fact that the real issue right now is generational. You know, you have this generation of kids who have grown up watching things on their phone. And they just don't have the same sort of connection to the going to the movies, you know, communal experience thing that our generation has. Mm -hmm. And his, what BioReconstruct put out is like, you have to understand, this is a breaking point. Let's just ask a really important question. Mm -hmm. How much did Avengers Endgame make by itself? Damn near $2 billion. Do you want to flush away a $2 billion a year revenue stream? That's only one movie, by the mm -hmm. way. How many movies were billion-dollar earners for in one year? I Actually, I think Disney had seven of them last year. So there's $7 billion. Mm -hmm. and let's just toss the baby out with the bathwater on that one, because that's broken. We don't need that no more. $7 billion? Pishaw. Well, I, yeah, right. Okay. But <laughs> I'm talking... I get, the, I get the youngsters on the screen. I get that. But to say that it's broken and that you need to make a transition now is not totally accurate. You need an alternative. You need more than one. We are creatures of habit. There are people who buy season tickets to their favorite team because they love going to the stadium. They love the communal experience. They love being right, there yeah. with tens of thousands of people and buying overpriced hot dogs and that sort of thing. And, and likewise, I mean, people like myself, I love going to the movies and having a whole audience react to a film and that sort of thing. But if a chunk of your audience falls out of the habit, movie theaters have been closed since March, and we're now talking about maybe February they will reopen. I mean, the combination of what we've been talking about, the 70% of would-be moviegoers who are concerned about their safety about going back to the movie theater. Once the theaters reopen, a good chunk of those folks are going to go back. But what about the people who do, in fact, fall out of the habit? Who, you know, it's like, well, you know, I, I don't do that anymore. I, I have my giant screen television at home. And just last week, we were talking about 
the reorg of Disney and what that's potentially going to do to how things are released. Yes, there will mm-hmm. be films that go out on what they call legacy platforms. I mean, that that means theatrical release, you know, on a big screen. But there's just as much, you know, then now they're going to be creating a lot more content deliberately for streaming. I think part of the challenge was was about Disney Plus because they've got they tried to release Mulan and it didn't go over so well and it's the problem of they have a double pricing structure all of a sudden that at that point mm. you know originally the promise was just this small monthly fee and we'll give you uh, everything that we have and then they go oh wait, wait, wait except this one thing because mm-hmm. special circumstances please give us an exorbitant amount of money well you know thirty bucks versus a twenty dollar purchase on a regular day mm-hmm. and now i gotta pay 30 dollars to just rent it because of the timing factor of how the system works mm-hmm. and it's like no i'm just gonna wait till december until that comes out and i think a lot of people chose that because that was what they're paying their fee for and now like disney's got to make a decision of do we start actually giving a rat's patoot about actually selling media because they're not really selling physical media like discs anymore. And I'll tell you, Jim, Mm -hmm. just last week, I got an email Mm -hmm. saying the entire Disney library has been upgraded on my iTunes account to 4k for free. And this was the thing where when I purchased the Apple TV 4k, if you purchase a movie for 20 bucks, if it, if it doesn't exist in 4k yet, you get the 1080. But if in the future you get, uh, if it gets upgraded 4k, you automatically get that for free. Mm that upgrade. And that was part of why we went with that uh, device. Mm -hmm. And I was so angry because Disney held everything off of that because they wanted to charge a premium and and make me pay $30 for their 4k offerings. And I didn't want to do that. So we had a stalemate at that point where I wouldn't budge and they wouldn't budge. And it was last week where they changed their mind finally. And they said, you know what? Screw it. It's all upgraded to 4k. You win. And my whole library just went cha-ching for free to 4K. So they did, in fact, change their mind about how they're looking at uh, price points. They want because they put all of their movies on sale for $9.99. Normally, they're 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. So they cut everything to half price and went, please come buy something. Give us some money. We're even cutting our prices, which we never, ever do. But here's the thing, Jim. They've got Disney Plus. I didn't need to buy the new Marvel movies, but there was a couple that I had missing in my library digitally. Mm-hmm. And I, as an idiot, gave them like 40 bucks mm-hmm. for those movies when they've been streaming on Disney Plus for, uh, I've already paid the fee. I've got the keys into the garden, but I still gave them money like an idiot. And it worked. Speaking of which, we're going to talk in a sec about another change that Disney just made with the hope of, of getting customers to reconsider uh, their relationship with certain arms of the company. Marvel Unlimited, and that's the online comic book library that Marvel set up. There's over 28,000 digital comics that they offer through this, but this was launched a year or so back, and in order to keep comic book realtors happy, or the retailers, excuse me, they made a deal. Obviously, we want people to still buy the physical books, so we won't make the newer titles available till six months after they've been on store shelves. So with the, with the notion of it's $9.99 a month with tax or $59.99 for a full year, again with tax. Mm. But just today, 
they crept in the window and in a big way they went from six months you have to wait six months before these show these things show up digitally to just three months when you think about what the you know comic book retailers have been dealing with with covid first they couldn't have the stores open and then they could reopen their stores but they had to have social distancing and how they moved heaven and earth i think you and i were talking about how Outfits like Golden Apple were actually arranging that if you drove up, they'd bring their their comic books out to you, that you wouldn't have to come into the physical store. This is a very big deal that now they've crept in the window to comic books go digitally in three months. I got to wonder what the retailers are, are making of this. I don't think it's that horrible. I mean, isn't that about the same as what we go between a movie to the digital and DVD release nowadays is about three months. So uh, that's not destroying the movie industry. I don't think it should hurt the comic book industry all that bad. They're trying to have more value in their product, you know, and, or increase value in their product. And one way to do that is make it more timely. And that's a good way to do it. So I'm all for it. For me, now shortening this from six months to three months, I'm certainly tempted. Particularly this time of year, I'm certainly tempted because of the Marvel Zombie series. I got to tell you, Aaron, I hate zombies. On the other hand, I love Greg Nicotero, the, the guy who does the makeup for the Walking Dead television series. He's now graduated to being an executive producer of the number of the, the original Mothership show and the, the spinoffs. So the Marvel zombie comic book series, which actually has a direct link to the Walking Dead, to both the comic book series and the TV series, because Robert Kirkman, the gentleman who, along with Tony Moore, came up with the original Walking Dead comic book series in 2003. Marvel thinks this book with its graphic style and that sort of thing is amazing. So they hire Kirkman, and he works on uh, Captain America. He works on Marvel Knights and Fantastic Four. But eventually, the editorial team pulls him in and is like, look, you know, we love your Walking Dead stuff, and we have this whole multiverse idea. How would you feel about exploring the idea if a zombie apocalypse were to happen on a planet that had the Marvel superheroes on it. And this series gets launched in December of 2005, uh, the, the five-issue limited series, and it immediately becomes the smash hit. Uh, it's written by Kirkman and art's done by Sean Phillips. The story opens with Magneto as one of the only surviving human beings. So you have a villain who's now the hero of the story, because he's trying to escape from all of these zombified Marvel superheroes. And because of the superpowers, folks like Captain America or Spidey actually retain just enough memory to realize what they've done. In fact, remember, Mm -hmm. there's a particularly horrifying panel that sort of alludes to the fact that Peter Parker may have actually eaten Mary Jane and Aunt May, and you get to see him consumed with guilt and shame before then the the hunger of being a zombie overwhelms him. And it's this really bizarre dichotomy. The whole notion of the superheroes you know, but they're, you know, in a horrible desiccated shape and they still sort of behave like themselves, except, you know, they still have their abilities. Well, I mean, it, it gets really down to a core issue mm-hmm. of 
who has Peter protected more than anybody in the history of comic books mm-hmm. is Aunt May and MJ. Yeah. The mother figure and the love of his life. And what could possibly be worse yeah. than to be responsible for their death? But what's even worse than that is it was sick because you ate them. <laughs> you nibbled on their little toes and you went, num, 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 num. I'm going to eat them little piggies. And you actually bit off them little pitties. <laughs> well, all right. If we're talking about eating specific body parts, one of the other weirdest bends in the story, in fact, Black Panther is huge. In the Marvel uh, Zombies storyline, just from his introduction alone, it, it turns out that the zombified giant man has been keeping the human Black Panther alive basically to snack on him. In fact, when we first meet him, he's missing an arm and a foot, and he, he somehow manages to get away, and he's a, he's a big part of how the Avengers, you know, try to fight back against the zombie apocalypse. And his his new code name is Snackman. <laughs> <laughs> and and the weird thing of it is is that this remains popular today. There have been uh three and four different iterations of the Marvel zombie series over the years. But just last year, the folks over at DC Comics launched Deceased. Six issue uh comic book series, kind of you know the same way that Marvel Zombie started, and this was published from May of uh, through October of 2019. But in this case, you get to see iconic characters like Superman and Wonder Woman dealing with a, a zombie apocalypse and trying not to get infected. So, will we ever see Marvel Studios do anything with the zombie comics? And I mean, we got a I think we, little we taste. Have so yeah, yeah well, a I little mean, taste of it in Spider-Man: Far From Home. Do we need a full movie of Marvel Zombies? I asked the very same question, and got a friend at Marvel Studios pointed to the fact that the animated "What If" stories uh, uh, show that. Yeah, yeah, that's there. You go, perfect place. Well, that's the thing. They have a half-hour episode being prepared, just to get a sense of what would the reaction be, so we can look for that. And in fact, that's still. On track. The hope is that that will be available to air on Disney Plus in October of 2021. But I probably will watch it through fingers because, again, still have issues with zombies. Well, anyway, folks, that is going to do it for this week's installment of Marvel Us Disney. Also, should mention the other shows here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We, of course, have. Disney Dish with Lentesto. We've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, where we discuss animation news. We've got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z, uh, where we look at Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And we also have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. You can find us over on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And on Facebook, it's Jim Hill Media News. Look for Aaron and I to churn out a new Marvelous Disney in two weeks or so. 